I'm Rick Lamplew, and today I want to talk about why we should protect Yellowstone's bison. The other day, I stood beside a road and watched as wind gusts peppered a mother bison and her calf with snow. The temperature was 13 degrees, yet they kept grazing, trying to survive until spring. I hope they make it, but in truth, winter isn't their biggest threat. Since 1985, more than 10,000 Yellowstone bison have been killed. Almost all were either captured at the park's Stevens Creek facility and sent to slaughter, or they were blasted by shooters just outside the park. This mother and calf grazed just a mile from the capture facility and three miles from the shooters. That's dangerous territory. I find this killing of Yellowstone's bison appalling for three reasons. First, park bison are genetically pure. They have no cattle in their DNA. They have not been bred to be docile. Slaughtering this genetic resource makes no sense. Second, the reservoir of this ancient animal is too shallow to drain. Of the 30 million wild bison that once roamed this continent, only 5,000 or so survive in Yellowstone today. Instead of killing bison to reduce the park's population, we should ship some elsewhere to build other genetically pure herds and increase our national mammals' population. Third, killing threatens to undo the hard work of George Bird Grinnell and the many other determined advocates who saved these bison from eradication more than 120 years ago. Grinnell, an experienced conservationist and editor of the influential magazine Forest and Stream, was upset after learning that poachers of Yellowstone bison faced little punishment. He vowed to do more than publish just one story about the latest captured poacher, a man by the name of Ed Howe. Instead, he peppered the magazine with updates on Howe's case. He included photographs. For the very first time, Americans saw images of bison that had been killed by poachers. He wrote editorials demanding congressional action. He encouraged readers to write their representatives and complain that no laws existed for punishing poachers. Once the national press picked up the story, enraged citizens inundated Congress with letters and petitions. But still, Grinnell didn't stop. He gathered influential friends and headed to Washington, D.C. Their powerful presentation and the public outcry did the trick. On March 26, 1894, just 13 days after Poacher Howe's arrest, Representative John Lacey of Iowa introduced a bill in the House of Representatives. The Lacey Act prohibited hunting, killing, wounding, or capturing any bird or wild animal in Yellowstone. It called for appointing marshals to make arrest and appointing a commissioner to decide punishment. The Lacey Act not only saved Yellowstone's remaining bison, 
it became the foundation for law enforcement in all our national parks. This battle to save Yellowstone's bison, orchestrated by Grinnell and fought by so many others, was our country's first national showdown over the environment. I can't help but wonder what George Bird Grinnell would say about the capturing of Yellowstone's bison at Stevens Creek facility, or about the killing of bison just beyond the park boundary. Perhaps he would say something similar to what he wrote in an 1883 opinion piece in Forest and Stream. Grinnell wrote, Every citizen shares with all the others the ownership in the wonders of our national pleasure ground. And when its natural features are defaced, its forest destroyed, and its game butchered, each citizen is injured by being robbed of so much that belongs to him. Those words ring as true today. These are our bison. Let's protect them.